Welcome to the Film Students Review. My name is Emily, and today I have the pleasure of having my department head, Dr. David Sorfa, join me to talk about a really interesting film, um, George Seaton's 1964 film, 36 Hours. So can we have a little introduction, who you are, why we're looking at this film this week? Okay, great. Well, thanks, thanks, Emily, and thanks for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. Um, yeah, as you said, so I'm the Programme Director of the MSc in Film Studies here and I'm really interested in issues around the way in which film interpretation works, the way in which philosophy and film work together and kind of more theoretical and abstract ideas about films and cinema and so on. And part of what why I'm interested in 36 Hours is that for the past three or four years, um, the English department and the film studies department have had this week-long series of talks and screenings and conferences and so on around spies called Edinburgh Spy Week. Um, <laughs> Great name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a, you know, highly kind of um, workshopped. Um, so we've, we, we, we've, we've, over the years, we've screened quite a lot of really interesting films. We've had head of MI5 come and speak oh, wow. and all this kind oh my of gosh. thing. So we, it, it's kind of a mix of sp writing about spies, spy novels, real spies, and then films as well. And that, and, and I can sort of look back at some of the films we've covered in the past, mm -hmm. which, um, which actually just went, went through and had a look back at what <laughs> we've done. I mean, anything from, you know, The 39 Steps, Alfred Hitchcock, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, the quite American, even bad timing. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. she's, mm -hmm. of course, Milena is a spy yeah. in the House of Love in yeah, some sort right. of way in that wow. film as well. So it's all very broad. And, and I, I basically every year I kind of get to choose three or four films that I think are really interesting mm -hmm. in terms of the broad issues around secrecy and spying and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and this year we've chosen conspiracies as oh, okay. the theme for the film program mm -hmm. and and some of the other events as well, which is uh, which are on the website, uh, which is spyweek.ed.ac.uk. Perfect. I'll be sure to plug link in. it. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Plug in there. And so this year on the, this theme of of conspiracies. Um, I was just looking at films that, while having a kind of a spy, espionage kind of plot, were also really about these huge conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. um, and we can talk a little bit about what conspiracy theories are as mm -hmm. well, if, if, if you want to, a little bit yeah, later on. Yeah, definitely. But so the three films we're doing this year, so it's 36 Hours, which we're going to talk about today. Um, Boys from Brazil, which is from 1978, which is a really fascinatingly strange film about um, basically Hitler's henchmen mm -hmm. take a swab of his DNA just before he dies or just after he dies and then they clone mm -hmm. Hitler mm -hmm. um, and the whole film is just following these tens if not hundreds of little <laughs> Hitlers growing up and they try yeah. and do things like recreate his life so so they go around they kill the boys 
all the boys' fathers at the same age that mm. Hitler's father died ah. and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's very creepy, very 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminds me of like teletra- or transportation. Yeah, teletransportation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, these clones that mm-hmm. are coming, this kind of Hitler army mm-hmm. um, that's going to come and, 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 and bring in, I presume, the Fourth Reich. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's, that, that's really interesting. And then... The third film we've got this this year is a Taiwanese film mm. from mm-hmm. 64 as well, same year yeah. as 36 Hours, called The Best Secret Agent mm-hmm. or Secret Agent Heaven Number One, it's okay. also called. And um, it's a really fascinating film about set during the Japanese occupation of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Taiwanese and Chinese films of this period, and actually even today, the Japanese are seen as the great evil. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like the Germans in mm-hmm. World War Two films in Europe, the Japanese and Chinese and mm-hmm. Taiwanese films of the fifties and sixties are the great evil, mm-hmm. um, which is which is fascinating in its own way. And I think the best secret agent we've we've been working with the Taiwan Film Institute mm. to get the film over. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of our students from the Masters from a few years ago now works at the Taiwanese oh, Film cool. Institute mm-hmm. and it's helped us get this copy of the film over. Oh, so that's it's the first great. time it's been screened in the UK. Oh, wow. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a really fun. So, anyway, yeah. enough of plugging <laughs> on that. Plugging no, the they are. I haven't seen any of them, so I'm. I won't be here to see the film festival, but I'm really excited to hear the reception about it because yeah, it sounds yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to be doing this podcast episode with you to talk about it. Um, before we kind of go mm. on to to talk more specifically about the themes in the film, do you want to mm. give us a little bit of a summary of 36 yeah. Hours? So 36 Hours is a, a real kind of paranoia conspiracy film mm-hmm. where um, our hero... Uh, Jefferson Pike, who's played by James Garner, mm-hmm. um, is is basically drugged and kidnapped by the Nazis, and it's the film is made in sixty four but set in nineteen forty four, just before D Day in Normandy, and basically they figured out that Pike will know what the Allies' plans are, mm-hmm. so they kidnap him, and he wakes up. What in what he thinks is 1950 mm-hmm. in an American hospital, mm-hmm. and it's this whole set that has been set up mm-hmm. to fool him into thinking the war's over, the Americans have won, and in the debriefing sessions, they will then trick him into telling yeah. them what he thinks has happened already, but what mm-hmm. they're going to then work out. Oh yeah, this, these are the Allies' plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's the kind of setup. Um, and the film is in, in actual, is, is also, it's based on a Roald Dahl mm-hmm. short story called mm-hmm. Beware of the Dog. Um, and in fact, half the film is based on that and the second half it becomes a more conventional kind mm-hmm. of thriller film mm-hmm. as well. But also with a really interesting second plot about um, the character of the nurse that looks mm-hmm. after after mm-hmm. Pike, and she's uh, played by Eva Marie Saint, mm-hmm. who you'll know from North by Northwest, yeah. mm-hmm. probably her most famous role. Mm-hmm. Um, and here she plays a really strange character who is 
kind of the love interest, but it's also something else. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. That's very interesting. And so I think um, I was trying to look at why the film was called Thirty Six Hours because the plot doesn't happen within thirty six hours. It happens over, I think, like three or four days. But I think one of the taglines for the film um, is supposed to be a line that the doctor Walter. Gerber, I think is mm-hmm. his name. He's mm-hmm. an American German doctor who's a Nazi. Um, and he says, uh, give me an American for 36 hours and I'll give you a traitor or something, yeah. something along those lines. So I yeah. guess that's where it I think that it's, it's really strange. I was also yeah. trying to think about that and I went back and I found the reviews uh, from oh, wow. 64. <laughs> um, and they say some interesting things, but they don't get involved in that. And I think yeah. it's this kind of. It's exactly yeah. what you said. It, because I was also trying to think, oh, does it take place over 36 yeah, hours? No. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually, I mean, this is a really rare film. It's hardly ever screened. It's hardly ever discussed. Mm-hmm. In fact, we struggled to find a copy that we could mm-hmm. actually yeah. watch. Um, <laughs> so, so it's great. I mean, even getting a, because we're showing the 35 millimeter print oh, wow. um, at the film house mm-hmm. um, during, during Spy Week. And basically, the British Film Institute in London it had been so long since they'd screened this film, mm-hmm. they had no idea whether it was still actually viewable. Right. So they had yeah, to test it for us, and we weren't even sure mm-hmm. whether we could we could do it. And luckily, oh, so it. yeah. So it'll be exciting to see, and you know, yeah. And, and you kind of realise just how rare some films are. Mm-hmm. That is basically there's one print of this film in Europe. Yeah, I and really it's... liked it. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. So I think it's great you're playing it. I don't usually like the the films from the 60s that you screen for us in class anyway. <laughs> so I was very pleasantly surprised to like oh, this good. one. Um, so some fun facts. You've already mentioned that it was based on Roald Dahl's short story, but not um, literally, I guess. So it takes place from May 31st, 1944 to about June 6th, 1944. One of my favorite parts of the film was the musical score by mm. Dmitry Tiomkin, especially the opening, um, the opening scene and the music. That, mm. Yeah, I just thought it was amazing. Kind of minimalist in some areas, but then yeah. also using like an orchestra. So um, it was also shot at the Yosemite National Park for mm. the most part as well. And um, yeah, so as you already mentioned, even Ray Saint plays Anna Hedler. Um, Hedler, yes. Mm. And then the Australian actor plays the the psychiatrist the mm. doctor so it's really interesting because he's then like german american but he's australian he does he's great at doing yeah. accents and then um james garner plays walter gerber and he was in the americanization of emily with mm. julie andrews right before this film so mm. he's coming mm. off a big high doing that mm. as well because that was really well reviewed so one of the themes that i wanted to talk about mm. um is one of the big tensions in the film, which is just kind of like Americanness, and obviously it's it's pro allies, anti Germans. Mm. Um, but so in the film, you have um, you know you have the main guy who's American. He's he gets captured, and then on the Nazi side, the main psychiatrist who's thought of this idea of mm. kind of breaking but also tricking um, people they capture into revealing their secrets mm. by saying that. They're, they're living a few years into the future and have no memory. Um, he, yeah, he's this American. He's been put back into Germany um, and is working there. And he does all of this research, but 
throughout the film, he kind of states that he's doing this research for the sake of research, not yeah. necessarily for the Nazis. Yeah. So it's another way that he's kind of distanced himself from the Nazi cause. Um, mm. But there's nothing really to suggest that he has any true allegiances to America. And even even he says that he can replicate American way of life because he moved to Germany when he was 16, which mm. to me seemed really implausible because how can you know what... I don't know, you're only there until you're 16. Um, and... Also, just prioritizing American work, no matter the circumstances. Mm. Um, at the end of the film, he gives uh, Walter and Anna the his like Pike. dossier. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Pike. Pike. And yeah, Pike Je- and Anna. Jefferson Pike. Jefferson Pike. Yeah, weird like American illusions yeah. in yeah, all yeah, of yeah, his yeah, yeah. his roles that he plays. Um, pardon me, Jefferson Pike and Anna. The dossier of all the work that he's done, um, and with the idea that the work will be saved. That his legacy will kind of continue on. Mm. But of course, it's a legacy that he's only created through yeah. the Holocaust, through um, through war crimes. So I just thought that that was really interesting. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it's really fascinating that that character, Walter Gerber, is played by Rod Taylor. Mm-hmm. And both Rod Taylor and James Garner actually, this is kind of the peak of their film careers. They mm. then go on to become television oh, okay. actors much mm-hmm. more in the 70s and 80s. Right. I think mm-hmm. that if they lived on until the 80s. Mm-hmm. Did. Um, Taylor did, yeah. <laughs> and um, but what's important for the Gerber character is that we, that there is a friendship between him and Pike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that develops, and of course it's part of the ruse, you know, that, mm-hmm. that he's friendly with him. But clearly there's this kind of connection, and so Gerber, you're right, is is kind of the scientist. He's he's dispassionate. He's not that interested in the war, at least ostensibly mm-hmm. not interested in the war. He's there yeah. for science, mm-hmm. and he's an American, so he's also a traitor. Mm-hmm. But we like him, yeah. a bit like we like Pike, and you know, and they're both quite similar-looking men. They've mm-hmm. got that kind of very solid mm-hmm. kind of American look to yeah. the big all American feel, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's why so. He then gives Pike and 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 and, and Anna the um, his his research that will be his legacy, but of course, and spoilers, he has to die. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because no matter how much we like him, the film has to kind of punish him, and feels a bit strange because mm-hmm. in fact he commits suicide. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. quite relatively graphic mm-hmm. him kind of dying, taking a cyanide pill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's quite. It's an odd kind of tonal shift where we've grown to like this character, mm-hmm. that we can see that he's a good man, mm-hmm. but obviously the film can't suddenly have this fantasy of oh well now we save him and and because in a way one of the the big themes in the film is you cannot trust anybody, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know you can't trust what you see, what's on the surface is not what it is, um, and we can talk about that in terms of mm-hmm. Anna as well, mm-hmm. but even though we kind of think we can trust Gerber, we think that he's a good man, we think that he's probably should be on the ally side or on the Nazi yeah. side. Mm-hmm. In fact, the film almost in its own logic knows that even if he were to escape with them, mm-hmm. we'd still never be able to trust him because the surface is, you never yeah. know just if there's mm-hmm. another level. So, so, so in a way for him to be truly I suppose I haven't thought of this that for him to be truly exonerated he has to die because yeah. there's no mm-hmm. beyond that yeah so definitely. that's his kind of redemption mm-hmm. and I think I think maybe um Seton 
knew that knew that he had to die so to make it more palatable mm. for his death he has to trick them one more time so he tricks them into giving the actual information of, of the um time and location of d-day yeah, but yeah, then yeah. he's not actually able to relay that information into yeah. the officials so um so the americans still win and yeah. he dies and you hate him just a little bit more except he was still my favorite character yeah, throughout yeah. the film although so. what's really strange in this mm -hmm. kind of this world of the double cross and the triple cross mm -hmm. is that in fact pike tells them that it's going to be in normandy mm -hmm. but none of them believe him mm -hmm. and they think he's lying to them yeah mm -hmm. so there's this weird thing where he's told them the truth mm -hmm. and they think well that's so ridiculous it can't be the truth yeah so he must be lying he must know maybe it's failed maybe he's mm -hmm. rumbled us yeah you know so it's, it's just it, it, it's a really fascinating kind yeah. of paranoid world where even when you've got the truth in front of you you don't trust it right exactly and pike is just He's, he's too gullible as well, right? Because he falls for it right away. He falls yeah. for all, <laughs> all yeah. of that. But I really like tricks. the way that, you know, it's six years, so now he suddenly has to wear glasses. Yeah. So they put, put atropine into yeah. his eyes so that he needs... <laughs> it just sounds like nonsense, but it's just kind of, oh, mm -hmm. they've dyed his hair grey. Yeah, and he's so gullible that he thinks the, the paper cut is a sure sign that... Um, so he gets this paper cut mm. right before he gets captured by the Nazis yeah. and then this trick happens. Um, and he notices the paper cut on his finger once he's come to on the German side in this fake American camp. And as soon as he sees the paper cut, he kind of knows mm. that it's been a trick, which I thought was really unbelievable as well. Um, but also I thought that the reasons for the discovery were quite interesting as well. So he has the paper cut and then, um, after the paper cut, I guess he feels the, the, lotion or ointment or whatever they've mm. used in his eyes beginning to wear off he can see again and then um there's a moment where the soldier almost gives away when he's trying to escape the where camp he, he, he gives mm -hmm. a he in in response to a command he gives the nazi salute not okay. quite the nazi salute yeah. but he clicks his heels yeah yeah film nazi sort of way right which i didn't i knew it gave it away but i didn't know how i guess because it's yeah but well, it's fun. interesting to compare mm -hmm. that to the Roald Dahl story because mm -hmm. there i mean it begin so he it's, it's a different story where he's shot he's a pilot mm -hmm. it's quite brutal his legs being shot off and mm -hmm. it starts with him in this airplane with his head with his mm -hmm. legs or his <laughs> leg off and he's thinking oh i'm gonna die now yeah and he wakes up and they tell him you're a lucky fellow. You landed in a wood near the beach. You're in Brighton. Mm. They brought you mm -hmm. in two days ago, mm -hmm. and they fixed you up. So, so it's it's in a way the dull story is a little bit more plausible. It's not mm -hmm. six years. It's two yeah. days yeah. in Brighton and so on. But he he rumbles them because it's in Germany. So he recognizes the sound of the airplanes flying yeah. over our head mm -hmm. as German f planes, and he goes, "Well, why aren't they being shot at?" Mm -hmm. And then. And, you know, the crucial point, and this is always the kind of the trick in Dahl stories, mm -hmm. is that the water is described as hard, you know, alkali, mm -hmm. or, or, as, as not alkali, whereas he knows, because he grew up in Brighton, mm -hmm. that the water there is soft. Yeah. And this is what tips him off. Yeah, I know. He's, he's a bit more intelligent, I feel, than Pike, maybe, in terms of his, his abilities of perception. Yeah. But... Yeah, but, it's diff we, yeah. We, but I think the film actually is... It's quite good at showing you his kind of relief mm -hmm. that he's back when he looks out and he yeah. sees yeah. everything. And you kind of think, yeah, well, you know, you because you want to believe right. that. Right, yeah. So you see what you that's want. kind mm -hmm. of 
papers over. Right. I, I didn't find it that difficult to 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 buy. It, yeah, I, I guess. I guess. I guess he just seems. I don't know, so naive and trusting. I, I get frustrated <laughs> by that. And but then the the one the big giveaway that this is all a trick for mm. him is Anna, and she gives away that information quite kind of willingly. It mm. seems without being too like yeah, tested. Let's, let's talk a little bit about yeah. Anna because she's really interesting. Yeah. She? So um, yeah, I one of my kind of questions is why do you think they don't make it a traditional love story, even though there's that kind of romance that mm. you, that you definitely feel between Pike and Anna. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I was really trying to think about and, and going back to the reviews, they don't really talk about mm-hmm. this in the 60s, so she doesn't really get much mention at all. They just talk about the thriller elements of it. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that so she's the nurse looking after him, mm-hmm. but she's herself been forced into this position because she is a Jew mm-hmm. who's been taken from Auschwitz mm-hmm. And this is her way mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So, she, so, so, she's. It's quite clearly that she's been heavily traumatized, mm-hmm. and she gives us quite terrible story mm-hmm. about how she's been raped mm-hmm. before, and you know, yeah. it, it felt wow. I mean, this is sixty four, so, yeah. so it's so 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 it's maybe it's not, you know, unusual for films to mention these kinds of things, mm-hmm. but it's quite it's quite brutally told, mm-hmm. and. She play even Marie Saint plays that part part as in quite a hard sort of way, mm-hmm. where, where one of the, the the major things they talk about is that she cannot cry, and she yeah. says, "Well, you know, after Auschwitz, mm-hmm. there's nothing more to cry about yeah. in a mm-hmm. way." And then, in fact, we then see that it's one of the reasons she cannot love him mm-hmm. because she has no more emotion left, mm-hmm. and it's all been cut. She's been kind of emptied out in a way, and of course, there's a little twist at the end where she, f- where that, where they get split up. They they make it to Switzerland and they get split up. Um, she goes off to an internment camp, and she goes off, not like Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. They yeah, say, yeah, very one. different from the ones <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and he heads off back to America. The implication is that they will get back together, and especially mm-hmm. when as they're parting, she starts to cry. Yeah, and he, but she doesn't notice it. I guess she doesn't he, notice it. He has yeah. to point it out to her in a yeah. slightly patronizing way. Yeah, but I like the way the film ends on their two cars going down two different roads. Mm-hmm. And I quite like the way it ended with the implication that they will probably mm-hmm. meet up later. And one of the reviews from, I think, Sight and Sound or Monthly Film Bulletin uh, says, yeah, you know, and they will definitely get back together. But that didn't seem clear to me yeah. at all mm-hmm. because he seemed to be like, mm, well, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to go home yeah. and, and get back to, to whatever I was getting up mm-hmm. to, which would in a way to be slightly more realistic mm-hmm. um, in that sense. But, you know, that, that thing of her you know, showing her Jewish, her, mm-hmm. her tattooed number, you know, internment mm-hmm. number on her arm, um, the... In fact, we could talk about the German couple that they stay with as well. Yeah. Which I thought were really fascinating. Yeah, really interesting. Kind of comic relief as well with the, the husband, which yeah, is Yeah, but also strange. quite yeah. cool. I mean, the way that they demand mm-hmm. payment for yes. helping them. Yeah. They give them the gold. Yeah. And even the nice old lady mm-hmm. who helps them out, who sees, because when they come, to, they get over the, the uh, they're trying to get to the Swiss border and they, 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 they kind of try and find safety at this house. Mm-hmm. And they, she basically just... Sh- even Marie Saint shows this old old lady her mm-hmm. 
Jewish number mm-hmm. or camp number and um, she lets them in but then when it comes to payment time she takes her ring yeah yeah and says oh great and of course that's how that's how they almost get caught almost as get well caught. yeah it's quite yeah. a nice ratcheting mm-hmm. up of tension at yeah the end, definitely I think that um I guess I wasn't as upset by the ring because I think it makes sense in this idea of like American culture where you have to pay for for like work and it kind of falls yeah, neatly yeah. in line with more like capitalistic the end of young Mr. Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln yeah. gets paid for being yeah, a lawyer. Exactly. Yeah, you don't you don't refuse the payment. Um so I that didn't bother me as much, but it's also a really interesting example as well as not being able to trust within the film yeah. because of course that uh the older German um I don't know, he's higher ranked in the army, I can't remember, yeah. but who helps them escape mm. um I guess to the Swiss border he part of the territorial army They're yeah kind of, he's, he's older as well so, yeah so he's so, kind of a grand so he's, yeah so he's too old and fat to yeah be <laughs> he's like a border guard or something yeah, 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 yeah. and um and he kills uh schultz or whoever the the german kind of doctor who was in charge of this yeah, yeah, the, the, experiment the, the evil, yeah the evil guy yeah um, so another i thought that was really interesting that they showed a, a german man kind of going against like yeah, nazism yeah. so explicitly yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think, well, I mean, 64, so, mm-hmm. it's, so it's, you know, nearly 20 years since mm-hmm. the end of the war. So mm-hmm. they're almost, th- there is a sense, and I don't think, you, I, you're right, I haven't really seen that in earlier films about mm-hmm. the Second World War, mm-hmm. where the normal German on the ground mm-hmm. is shown as, oh, he doesn't really care about Hitler mm-hmm. that much, doesn't really care about the Nazis, mm-hmm. it's more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite unusual, I mm-hmm. thought, just to show them just going, ah, you know, yeah, this will be over soon. And they, they kind of basically, they, they basically kind of accept that the Nazis are going to lose mm-hmm. and they're kind of trying to work out the best way yeah, to live they... after. Yeah, yeah, there's, I guess, after he kills, um, you know, Schultz or, again, I can't remember his name, but he takes his watch as well, so there's that idea, yeah, yeah, too, yeah. of just, I mean... Just being quite mm-hmm. mercenary and to look up that guy's name, Werner P- Peters is yeah. the is the actor who plays Otto Schack. Schack, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, Schack. evil German. Yes, exactly. Um, I, think this, I think the old guy is called Kratz. K-R-A-A-T-Z. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting for sure. So we kind of mentioned timelines as well. So there's there's many different layers of time happening in the film. So it takes place in 44, but then... Um, Pike is led to believe that he's actually living in 1950. Yeah. The film is shot in 1964, mm-hmm. and then we're watching it and you're programming it yeah, today yeah, yeah. in 2018. So what? I mean, what do you think are, is the use of these films? Like, I guess, I guess, film history's obsession with looking back on World yeah, War yeah, II yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, what's? I mean, I was thinking about this in terms of 64 because this mm-hmm. is the height of the Cold War, mm-hmm. and the film is a very thinly veiled I think kind of allegory for the Cold War Mm -hmm. there's there's various mentions of the Russians and so on just in the background there and I think again I didn't find this in the British reviews but it seems to me very clear that anybody watching it in the 60s would have seen this as sure a memory back but that's 20 years ago that's relatively long time Um, but seeing this kind of paranoid world as a reflection of being American in 
the 1960s. Mm -hmm. Don't trust anybody. There's quite a lot of, of play at the beginning of um, there's an old lady who looks very harmless, mm -hmm. but in fact she's the traitor. Right. And this idea that, you know, there's reds under the bed, you know, the communists are, mm -hmm. are out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that seems to me very clearly played out in the film, mm -hmm. this kind of general paranoia about um, other powers. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, and then, then, then looking at it today, I suppose that's why I was interested in these conspiracies. I mean, the last few weeks with old Skripal being poisoned, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. kind of old school spy kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I know. And you're thinking, mm -hmm. well, who, who's doing this? So we, who can we trust? Mm -hmm. And it's even with Skripal himself, the, the, the Russian kind of traitor who's mm -hmm. been living in, in Salisbury in, mm -hmm. in the UK. And he, you know, seems to look like anybody else eating at rather terrible chain restaurants <laughs> that get yeah. poisoned yeah. by, by kind of whatever it, you know some crazy mm -hmm. nerve agent so, so so there's a similar kind i think in britain with brexit with all sorts of things going on at the moment there is a similar air of paranoia about you can't trust anything mm -hmm. and i think maybe i'm stretching it a little bit but where one of the outcomes of the brexit vote was Lots of people like me and others, you know, who might see themselves as liberal and so mm -hmm. on and pro-European suddenly realize, hold on, not everybody is like yeah. me. Mm -hmm. There's somebody else who looks exactly like me, mm -hmm. acts like me, but they believe something else. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's brought in, I think, at least in British politics and British life, a more kind of paranoid atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to explore these very you know, kind of melodramatic presentations yeah. of, of paranoia. Yeah, but I think it's a really good example, and especially just with the detail that the film, but I guess Gerber as well, takes in setting up this this camp that's supposed yeah. to be American, and the accents of the people mm. who, who just flip from German to an American accent. So with... I, I mean, I, don't, I wanted to look up to see if they were actually just um, dubbed, <laughs> because it was yeah. so amazing. Well, but, but what's, mm -hmm. what was interesting is that, in fact, it's... A, relatively quite a lot of German spoken mm -hmm. in the film mm -hmm. and definitely the version I, I've got there are no subtitles mm -hmm. for the German although in fact looking back on, on the reviews they are, the original print was subtitled mm -hmm. yeah. the German was subtitled so but that's actually quite unusual in World mm -hmm. War II films I mean Germans stereotypically talk English with a German yeah. accent mm -hmm. <laughs> which is always yeah. really strange so, so in, in some senses this film is relatively realistic in, mm -hmm. in the way it uses language and um, presents yeah this kind of it's it's. Uh, I, I suppose it is an interesting um, actually, actually I, I lost my <laughs> train of thought here. But, but looking back on the reviews from 64 one of the things they, they say well George Seaton, the director, isn't really a great director. Hmm. I mean, he's mainly known for, I was just looking him up, and he's mainly famous for Miracle on 34th yeah. Street mm -hmm. from 47. Which he did in numerous kind of formats, I yeah, think, yeah, as yeah. well. He, then, yeah. you know, he wasn't, he, he actually, he, he did quite a few films in the, in the 40s, um, but by the 60s, he makes The Counterfeit Traitor in 62, which mm -hmm. is another spy film about Sweden um, and Denmark and Nazi Germany and oil and so on. It's really complicated. And it's 
insufferably boring to be honest mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's in colour as well mm. I mean, we haven't said that 36 hours is shot in black yeah. and white which mm-hmm. is and in widescreen black and white which mm-hmm. just r- really works well and I hadn't realised it was in Yosemite yeah. I was thinking wow mm-hmm. the hills look amazing yeah for the most part they didn't mention where else but they said the yeah, majority yeah, yeah, was in Yosemite yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. that looked great but you know so he does this film he does 36 hours which was a relatively big hit at the mm-hmm. time genius it, I think was a quote yeah <laughs> but has kind of fallen out mm-hmm. and then I suppose actually the thing he's most famous for is his second last film Airport okay from 1970 yeah. the kind mm-hmm. of big um, but he also did a film which I haven't been able to track down from 68 called What's So Bad About Feeling Good mm-hmm. where apparently it's about somebody who's invented a serum or something that makes you feel happy mm-hmm. um, and so again, this kind of idea of ideology—the ideology of feeling good—is yeah. not to be trusted. This mm-hmm. is something I've been banging on about yeah. for a year almost. <laughs> that how do you know you're being ideologically <laughs> duped? Because yeah. you're having a nice time. Yeah, exactly. Laura and that's Holdy, exactly, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what thirty-six hours is. Yeah. Yeah, great. I'm I'm back mm-hmm. home. Everything's safe. And mm-hmm. it's that feeling that you're being being kind of tricked into a a false sense of security. So do you think that um, this kind of exploration of a culture of paranoia makes it an anti-war film or just kind of ambivalent? I I think, I mean, this is why I was looking at his other films. Mm -hmm. It's quite difficult to work out. There's there's something about trust in his films. Even Miracle on 34th Mm -hmm. Street, how... Mm -hmm should we trust that Santa Claus exists? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, who do we trust? What's on the surface? What's underneath? So that seems to run through his films. But 36 hours, I think it's actually in the Yves Marie Saint character, Mm -hmm. nurse, nurse Anna Hedler, where the other stuff is pretty farcical. Mm -hmm. I think her presentation and her character is quite dark, relatively you know that that the that the romance plot isn't overplayed um and we aren't given an easy resolution that seems to pick out a certain kind of um let's call it emotional truth Mm -hmm. about just how terrible the war Mm -hmm. was that perhaps in the kind of hijinks of the thriller plot you Mm -hmm. don't get and i think kind of eve marie saint saves that film from being a you know more of a conventional thriller than mm-hmm. anything else mm-hmm. but one of the reasons i came across this film for the first time or when i first came across this film was through reading slavoj zizek okay a Slovenian mm-hmm. philosopher and he writes this famous article on the matrix mm-hmm. where he's talking about those films like the matrix and the truman show and films that you know, for 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 Zizek, those films are models of how we think ideology works. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we think everything is great. You know, we're living our nice lives, but in fact, something else is. We're 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 in a mm-hmm. vat controlled by monsters, yeah. controlled by robots. Right. Or yeah. There's another great film that has the glasses, and then you get to oh, see. Oh, they live. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's another mm-hmm. one of Zizek's favorites. So anyway, mm-hmm. he mentions Thirty Six Hours, and that's actually why. I tracked it down. It was really funny. I went back and and, and, and tracked down his thing. And Zizek is almost famous for not actually watching the films he talks about. (laughs) So let me just read you what he says about this film. And he goes, 
Among the older, more naive forerunners of the Matrix kind of films, one should mention George Seaton's 36 Hours, the film from the early 60s about an American officer, James Garner, who knows all the plans for the D-Day invasion of Normandy. Okay, fair enough. And is accidentally taken prisoner by Germans just days before the invasion. Okay, that's not yeah. right. <laughs> Since he is taken prisoner while unconscious due to the blast of an explosion... Mm-hmm. which is not true mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. He's drugged in a cafe in That's Lisbon. That's more from the book, I guess. Mm-hmm. The Germans quickly construct for him a replica of a small American military hospital resort. In fact, it's clear that that resort has been made because they, they say there's been 19 other people. Yeah. So actually, I'm not picking on Zizek's yeah. memory here, but it's mm-hmm. quite funny to go, right, actually, you're thinking of a different Yeah, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to get away with that. Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. In our program. Exactly. <laughs> but basically... And always, it's difficult to... I was trying to work out what, what Zizek's point was here. Mm-hmm. And his point seemed to be that he was interested in the fantasy of paranoia. Mm-hmm. That these kinds of stories are saying, oh, imagine what it would be like if you were being tricked. Mm-hmm. Zizek seems to be saying, in fact, we are being tricked. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I couldn't work it out. Because <laughs> he ends, the final sentence of, of his article on The Matrix and all these kinds of films is the mystery of... Or he goes, uh, we, we are not dreaming in v- virtual reality that we are free agents in our everyday common reality while we are actually passive prisoners in The Matrix. It is rather that our reality is that of the free agents in the social world we know. But in order to sustain the situation, i.e. in order to carry on being these free agents, we have to supplement it with the terrible, disavowed, impending fantasy of being passive prisoners in the prenatal fluid exploited by the Matrix. The mystery of the human condition, of course, is why the subject needs this obscene, phantasmatic support of his or her existence. Mm-hmm. I suppose the question he's trying to ask is, why we like paranoid thrillers mm-hmm. um, and I suppose it comes back to the why people like conspiracy theories mm-hmm. the nice thing about conspiracy theories is somebody knows what's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody's in charge you know so that's quite often the kind of pop psychology reading mm-hmm. of, of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. is like yeah we like to think about conspiracy theories because otherwise we're just living in this random world of nonsense where mm. we can't predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. At least, even if some evil genius is in charge, at least there's somebody in charge. So that seems to be the kind of point that uh, it's quite um, comforting yeah. to be paranoid. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, interesting. I wonder what an existentialist, I guess, would maybe mm. say to that seems like a lot of effort to kind of feel like safe and in control i quite yeah, like yeah. just accept that you're gonna die and let everything happen <laughs> great yeah yeah no, I think that's fantastic. um fantastic yeah mm. um well that's great we've covered conspiracy that inability to trust you know these yeah, timelines yeah, yeah. weird like kind of american propaganda of they're always the winners any other points that you want to make sure um, we talk about the only other thing I've got in my notes that I wanted to mention was another film, which is from a little bit earlier, a British film called Went the Day Well, okay. from 1942, mm-hmm. 
by Alberto Cavalcanti. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you're looking for a, de- a really nice double bill, I'd go for 36 Hours and Went the Day Well. Mm-hmm. Went the Day Well is shot in Britain. Cavalcanti was a Brazilian, but he worked uh, in the 40s with the Ealing Studios in the UK. And this film is set in 42 during the Second World War. And there's a small sleepy village, I think it's called Bramley End, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of southern southern village and a group of British soldiers turn up and um, are taken in by the village and what turns out of course is that they are Germans Mm. disguised as Mm. Britons and they are the vanguard of the secret infiltration of Britain Mm and that's Mm -hmm. a really really great film really interesting Um, and that that was the only other thing I just wanted to mention Mm -hmm. if you're interested in this kind of thing um, went the day well. Has it also had a same kind of, I don't know, like abandonment? As... No, 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 that mm-hmm. film, that film is, is, is very famous actually. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. almost as famous as 36 Hours is Forgotten. Okay, good to know. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to link that up too so that people can have easy access yeah. to finding out more about that film. Yeah. Well, and then just, mm-hmm. yeah, and then this Spy Week, if the program is let me look at what, what the date starts. April sixteenth. It starts. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, all the events at the University are free. The films are you have to pay for, but they're relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah. Great. Totally. Perfect. Something yeah. So nice. everyone should go check it out after they're done their papers and everything. It'll yeah, be a yeah, good yeah. kind of respite from doing that and thank you so much for joining me it's been a pleasure um always good to see a film that i like and that i haven't seen before Correct. so uh yeah thank you well thanks for having me yeah.